Oh, happy Monday, ladies. I am Katina Horton, the Love and Freedom Toxic Relationship Recovery Coach. And today's topic is how lust, languishing, and soul ties lead to disrespecting and dishonoring yourself while you're in a relationship with your narcissistic partner. Now, when you're in that relationship, you've got a lot of things going on, a lot of cycles that is at one time, believe it or not, right? And one of those many cycles is the 6S control cycle. And I'm going to go through what all of the six S's are. Number one would be state. Number two would be striving. Number three is sadness. Number four is solution, right? And then number five, we have stage. And finally, number six is sailing, S-A-I-L-I-N-G. And that means your partner is basically taking off, right? Okay. So I'm going to go over that one, one more time. That's state, <laughs> striving. And then we have number three is sadness. Number four is solution. Number five is stage. And then we have number six, and that is sailing. Okay. So that's the six S control cycle. So when you are in the state, number one, things are out of control. And then what do we do when things are out of control? We naturally want to what? Put things back into control, right? If something is out of control in a woman's mind, especially you're thinking I've got to fix it, right? And so what you do is trying to make things in control, which means that you also try to what? Control your partner, right? You're inadvertently trying to control him at the same time in order to be able to get your needs met, okay? And so what happens is, you get to the point when you are in the devaluation phase, I would say, where your partner is, your thought is that you just wanted to go back to the way it was. And being back the way it was is the love bombing phase, right? So when you get to number two, the striving phase, what happens is that your partner lets you know if you just do this, and it might be changing your hairstyles, it might be changing your clothes. It could be getting dental work done. It could be losing weight, gaining weight. <laughs> it could be bringing more money to the table. It could be uh, gaining more intellect. It could be the fact that he needs you to communicate better. That list literally could go on and on and on that he gives you, right? So like I said, that's in stage two. The striving is in stage two of that 6S control cycle. So when you get to that state, that striving state, that means you are in the devaluation phase, right? Of the narcissistic abuse cycle. The way that you usually handle that uh, particular phase is by a flight response. And the flight trauma response shows up through escapism. And so you might wonder to yourself, how am I escaping? You are escaping by trying to make everything perfect and do those different things that he told you to do, right? And so at first it started off with him giving you a list of things. And then what happens is that you end up on this hamster wheel, which each of those things he's giving you, and you start adding on to that list. If I could just make the kids perfect, if I could just dress perfect, right? If the house could just look like it's in tip top shape, if I could be the perfect wife, you see what I'm saying? If I could get my hair done every week. You are searching and searching, but this is a flight trauma response, right? Of perfectionism, okay? And you're on this never-ending hamster wheel. 
So he started you on that wheel, right? And then you picked it up because of your uh, personality type of perfectionism and people pleasing. You picked that hamster wheel up and you ran with it and took it to a whole nother level, right? And remember, when you came into the relationship, you already had part of that lack cycle in place that we talked about. And remember, lack is love, approval, comfort, and knowledge addictions. So when you came into that relationship with the nar uh, narcissist, you already had a love and approval addiction. And those two addictions come in place because a seed of rejection was planted inside of your soul from your family's love story garden. Once that seed of rejection got planted, every relationship you were in along the way, right? Going through your young adult years and uh, middle ages, and some of you <laughs> might be 40s, 50s, 60s, somebody along the way that just kept coming, <laughs> coming past and watering that seed right? Until next thing you know, you've got, uh, not only do you have the roots taking place underground, right? In your garden, but you've got like flowers and big plants and trees and all of this stuff growing up, right? People kept coming along the way and watering that garden for the seed of rejection, which in turn turned into love and approval addictions, right? So you came into your relationship with your narcissistic partner, with those two addiction based upon what the seed of rejection. Okay. And like I said, all of that striving in that success control cycle from all those different things he told you, that's all you had to do. And you guys will go back to the beginning. They didn't work. Then you started coming up with your own list of things, right? And that hamster wheel, you just kept going on the hamster wheel. And with women, what do we normally do? We go into fix it mode. If I can just do this, I know everything will be better. For some reason, we think that everything is up to us. And we think that loving someone better is going to, or more, right? Or differently is actually going to influence them to make changes. We can't love someone into doing what it is they need to do, if that makes sense. But a lot of times we think that that's possible, right? And so what happens is you've got that love and approval addiction already in your soul. And then you've been striving so much from doing all these different things that he's told you to do. Right. And you're hoping that one of those particular things is going to get you back to the beginning, the love bombing phase. OK, but it never happens. Then what happens is you take on the C from the lack cycle. You take on the comfort addictions. Right. And just to be honest with you, you might say, well, what with the addictions, how does that work? An addiction is nothing but a soul tie. An addiction is a soul tie. It is a tie that's in your soul. If you picture yourself taking your gym shoe and you tie that gym shoe into you triple tie it, right? That would be what an addiction is. A soul tie basically slash addiction is. You are tying a one knot for your, for your mind. The second knot is for your will. And the third knot is for your emotions. So a soul tie is when uh, you have your soul, right? Which is your mind, your will, and your emotions tied up in knots and being controlled by something else. So a soul tie is a connection and addiction slash addiction is basically what it is, right? So 
The comfort addiction comes in after you've been striving and striving and striving. And you see that nothing, <laughs> nothing you're doing work is working from what he gave you that list. And then you've added on, right? Your perfectionism and people pleasing, right? And achieving those personalities kicked into a whole nother level. And then you add on to that list, right? Making you like kind of out of control. So the state started off with number one of the six S control cycle where things were out of control because of him. But then you became out of control trying to put things back in control, if that makes sense, right? You became out of control along with him because of your flight trauma response of perfectionism, people pleasing, and that achievement going on, right? And then so what happened is, like I said, that you have that love addiction that have taken place, the love and approval that you came into that relationship with. And once you get to striving so much on that hamster wheel and you see that none of that stuff is working, it just goes from love and approval addictions to now you got comfort addictions, right? And the comfort is in what? Your soul is tied to comfort and people, places, things, and ideas, right? And you're going through all of these addictions because you're trying to find a false sense of safety and security. So what ends up happening is you become prone for a soul tie because of the following, um, the, the following things that's going on, right? What happens is that you've got a lust for, and when you're lusting for something, lusting end up usually happening because you're seeing something, right? So you've got a lust for, right? And then that lust for turns into a took for. And then once that took for sits so long, that took for turns into a soul tie door. So the lust for means that you've had a craving slash desire that's been in your soul. And that happened starting with your family's love story garden, right? You had a, a craving slash desire in your soul to be accepted and to be loved. That need went met on, uh, it went unmet, right? And so when that was an unmet need and it went for so long and it went unchecked, then it turned over from desire slash craving to lust. You see what I'm saying? And so once it became lust and it got watered, then once you're in lust, you're at the lust for it. That's the first part of getting yourself into a soul tie. Then you led to a took for. And a took for basically is when you take something for yourself that has not been God ordained. So once you get the lust for where you're seeing it and it's leading to the took for, right? Where you've actually taken it, you're doing it. Then next thing you know, number three, you just headed right through a soul tie door. So don't forget that, that when the, you have the love, approval, comfort addictions, and then the last part of the lack cycle is the knowledge addiction for K. Any addiction is nothing but a soul tie, which began as uh, something you desired or craved, and it went unchecked, and it turned into lust because of something you saw that you thought that was going to meet your need of safety and security. And then it went to taking it, right? And then you walk through a soul tie door. And so what happens is that those of um, us in life who have insecure slash anxious slash ambivalent love attachment styles, those particular individuals are already prone and kind of have a bent toward having uh, a love addiction in the first place because anxious Love attachment styles means sometimes you securely attach to people and then sometimes you do not. 
And this happened because of from birth to about 18 months, right? During that stage, your caregiver, either uh, they were checked out, right? They didn't know and was caught up into their own hamster wheel, right? According to their personality types. And so sometimes you securely attached to them and sometimes you did not because of whatever they had going on or they simply did not have it to give to you. And so what it is, is that it made your soul have a vent towards being able to have an addiction without even knowing it. And so then when you partner up with the narcissistic partner, they have an addictive personality, right? And this obsession that's inside of their soul. So when their soul meets up with your soul, and then you're together when you give away your blessing and I'm referring to your body, then that makes whatever they've got going on and whatever tendency you have in your soul, it just sets you up for having multiple soul ties, both coming from them and then from your own brokenness of love and approval that was not met in your family's love story garden. So that's how you just end up coming, going through these vicious cycles, right? So now we want to go back to part of the success cycle because we talked about state where things were out of control. We talked about striving where you're on the hamster wheel, right? And then you might wonder, so how do we get to number three? Number three is sadness. And you get to a state of sadness because you've tried so many different things and nothing is working, right? And so what happens is the state of sadness that you get in, that, that third S, right? It's not even like a low-grade sadness. This type of sadness that you experience is literally a state of languishing. It's extreme grief right? Extreme grief and sadness. And it's more like a state of languishing. And so I would describe languishing as a combination of things. You have an extreme grief and sadness, right? And there's a neediness set up that's been set up in your soul. And this has been done, right? This has been set up because of the fact that all of those false promises, when he, when you were in striving in that phase, right? I've been on a hamster wheel, him telling you all you had to do was do those things and then the relationship will go back to the love bombing phase. So you had been given uh, false hope and you had been basically, you know how you play hangman? You had basically been like suspended with hangman, just kind of hanging there, right? Your body just being suspended. And when I think about that, it makes me think of Absalom in the scripture, David's son, Absalom, how his hair, his locks of hair, you know, all of that hair got caught up and the scriptures describe him as being suspended between heaven and earth. So you're suspended really like hangman. You've just been hanging there and he's been giving you all this false hope as far as things changing, but none of them have changed. That's part of the problem. And so when, because of all of that false hope, which is based on what? False promises. That's what your false hope came in. He was making you false promises. Those false promises have been based on what? False evidence. You don't have any evidence that things are going to change but you've been hoping and wishing and hoping and wishing and praying over and over again. And all of this false hope based on false promises, based on false evidence has led you to this sadness for number three in the six S control cycle. And so that sadness has led to a deep state of languishing inside of your soul. Right. And like I said, languishing is that extreme grief and sadness. Right. And then it's, um, where you are just so needy in your soul that you're in a heart sickened state. 
in the scripture in Proverbs 13, 12, it says hope deferred makes the heart grow sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. So think about that, a tree of life. When you just hear those words, it makes you think about Psalm 23 when, you, when it talks about your soul being restored, right? And the rivers and the streams of water. So a tree of life that like actually live literally those words give your soul life. But think about if it said hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. So somebody keep promising to do something and they don't come through. That's also what that actually feeds the addiction in your soul. And that actually leads to a soul tie. And when they keep doing that, when, when your narcissistic partner keeps making you all of these false promises, right? You got all this false hope. Like I said, because he's been making all these false promises and another way of saying it is future faking. He's future faked so much that what happens is he's put an, an extreme neediness in your soul and your, your heart is literally in a heart sickening sickened state, right? And you're just going around almost like, kind of like a hype in a certain sense, where it's like, I need love. I need approval. I need comfort. You see what I'm saying? And you are just like in that state of almost like just going through withdrawal from not getting your needs met. And so what ends up happening, this state leads you to compromise. And when I say compromise, you usually get so bad in this particular state by that time when you're just so, uh, strung out literally from being held and suspended in the state for so long, you're usually in the discard phase by this time, right? And he's expressed his desire that he is probably going to leave the marital residence, or if you're not married, you know, he's leaving the partnership. He's leaving you guys a shared residence, right? And so you're probably in that discard phase. And then what, what happens is because you're in that state of extreme heart sickness, and neediness that's in your soul, right? And lust for your needs to be met, you start compromising your own dignity, uh, self-love, self-respect, and honor. And so he starts coming up with, at that point, he starts coming up with all of these situations of possibly having his new supply that he's been seeing for a while, you know, for having you be okay with him being with you and with her. You see what I'm saying? And this is, trust me, this is not a condemnation type of thing. This is me helping you to understand how this whole cycle got set up because you are at that point of, like I said, that languishing state, right? That point of sadness has hit your soul that you start making decisions that compromise your own dignity, your values, integrity, all of that for the sake of getting your needs met, right? And anything you feel, anything will help you to come out of the state that your soul is in. And so what happens is, like I said, because he's had you up and down so long with these false promises, you've basically been taken from the penthouse to the basement, from the basement to the penthouse, the penthouse to the basement, back and forth, up and down, right? That actually reinforced your soul ties that you had with him, sexual and non, right? The other soul ties from the lack cycle, love, addiction, right? Uh, love, approval, comfort, and knowledge, right? It's reinforced all four of those. And then he also has reinforced the sexual soul tie, right? And then if you've got a financial soul tie with him, whatever other connections slash addictions you've got going on, all of those 
uh, soul ties and addictions are reinforced and the trauma bonds because of the false promises and being taken up and down, right? Uh, with those false promises of future faking, okay? And so what happens is you start considering having open relationships or, you know, he'll say, well, you know what, I'm, I, I'm, you know, I don't want to be in this anymore, but I'm not going to get married. And then you start saying something like, well, I'm not going to get married either. Well, maybe we could still just live here to make it look a certain way for the kids so they don't have to go through all of that. And you will start making decisions that are just so uncharacteristic of who you are as a person, right? During this time of languishing, your soul just being in a state of languishing. And then you might wonder, then how do I get out of this? That languishing has to be checked. You see what I'm saying? Because if you're just in that state and keep allowing yourself to go so long, you will literally start compromising who you are as a person. You would not know who you are by the time it's said and done because you would have compromised so that you would be caught up into something that is, uh, nothing short of perversion, so to speak. And so what you have to do at this state is to go through what I call a be still and no moment. You've got to be able to take stillness. And that's hard for us as women because we like to keep going and going and going and going. The only way that you can get clarity on what to do next is to take some time for stillness, you know, and with prostrate prayer and asking um, praying and asking the Holy Spirit to help to comfort you. He's already dwelling inside for him to comfort you and for God to be able to help you and knowing the next steps. Because if you do not uh, take this time for stillness, your thing is going to the next phase, which is solution mode, coming up thinking you've got a magic formula. And if you can just figure out the magic formula, you can prevent him uh, from leaving. But that's not how it works. You see what I'm saying? Because he's going to take off anyway. <laughs> you see what I mean? He's going to take off anyway. Either way it goes, he's going to do what he's going to do. And we cannot control him. You cannot control him. We cannot control people. But you can control yourself. You can control how you respond in this state of languishing. And that's what's so important. Taking that time out and saying, I cannot full on throttle, do energizer bunny mode full on throttle anymore. I have to take a time out, take a be still and no moment, sit in stillness, right? And that's the difference between the 6S control cycle and the 6S surrender cycle. The 6S surrender cycle involves stillness. After the sadness has set in, it involves stillness. The 6S control cycle means you go from sadness straight on to solution mode, still trying to find the magic formula even after he said that he was leaving and then you end up compromising your soul and uh, going to another level of open relationships and all kind of perversion. You are enough. Reclaim your power, soul, and identity today. Grab your keys to the kingdom and get your inheritance. Until next time, ladies. God bless.
For me, 